0: The city of Boston, national politics, and the family O'Neill are aligned forever in local and U.S. history. Thomas P. O'Neill III is the CEO of O'Neill & Associates, a public relations company whose mission it is to help business succeed in media and in politics. Now, the former lieutenant governor of Massachusetts opens his podcast studio to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. This is part one of two. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, again, on location at O'Neill & Associates. This is one of the largest PR firms in Boston. They also have offices in Washington, D.C., where everything happens. Thomas P. O'Neill III is in studio with us along with Chris Niles, his vice president of government relations here at O'Neill and & Associates. And guys, thank you so much for finding time in your bi- very busy schedule to join me here in your place of
1: business. Jimmy, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very, very much have you. So what if, and, and Niles, by the way, isn't, he's the vice president in charge of all things cannabis. Okay, oh, I see.
0: <laughs> but, well, government relations covers that now too, doesn't it? Sure it does. certainly does. Yeah, all, all things cannabis. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so fascinating time to be part of a new historic industry. Uh, Massachusetts, my home state, makes it legal in 2016 via the ballot box. They've had a medical program. And now that that stigma that has been in place for 90 years of prohibition is, is coming down and the new normal is evolving. And it's a fascinating time because it involves democracy. It involves capitalism. It involves rules and regulations and politics and Plenty of other stuff, too. Do uh, you finding this uh, a fascinating time to be part of this industry in uh, some capacity? Well,
1: I'm old enough to remember when it was actually an issue to a point in time today where it's, as you point out, no longer an issue. And that it's, it's, it's just happened. And it's happened for many good reasons. And as you know it, and, and, and my friend Chris here will tell you, you know, the torts the, 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 the we'll have to go through through the evolution of this, uh, this industry for the next 10 to 20 years is going to be fascinating to watch.
2: Yeah, and I, and I would say it's 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 happened. You know, the cultural change has happened very quickly, but it was a very you know uh, very uh, strategic process that a lot of advocates and uh, and organizers have gone through over the last few years. We started with decriminalization, we went to to, to medical use, and and now with adult use, and um, a lot of people suffered along the way. And I think that's something that that we all kind of keep in. In uh, in mind, uh, working on this, that there were a lot of people who you know were, uh, were you know during the prohibition era, which mm-hmm. is now quickly eroding. That's, that uh, were victims of, of uh, you know of, of cannabis crimes, mm-hmm. and you know that's that certainly plays a role in, in what's uh, how this uh, this industry is evolving. Right. You, you, know, know, you know, what's f- interesting about that is that it, it, what's fascinating. In, in these times,
1: is to watch this year's presidential race. Where it's, a, it's a non-factor, a non-issue. Camilla Harris's line, when she was asked if she'd ever smoked marijuana, mm-hmm. she said, are you kidding? Half my family's Jamaican. You know, and it just... That's it. It put the rest, the entirety of the issue. I mean, it was just unbelievable. D- Not-
0: Diffuse it through cultural, and that's beautiful, right?
1: It sure is, it sure is absolutely.
0: Uh, so, it, it, again, a, a fascinating time, and there's been a lot of different... Chris, you did a great job of kind of looking at the whole thing. Um, you mentioned the... Um, social equity movement uh, for those who have been adversely affected by the war on drugs. Here in Massachusetts and in a- other states that are looking at Massachusetts as an example, they're trying to figure out ways to do right by these people. Mm-hmm. And, and no one's really been able to figure out how to do it. Um, frustration, Thomas?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of frustration. And, and I think that's one of the issues we're going to have to contend with, I know I know Bonnie Frank did your show, and I thought he was right on spot on mm-hmm. when he said, "Hey, look, why don't we get the banking issue behind us as number one priority and and he's right right because there is an equity I mean if if you're poor if you're if you're a person of color, chances are you're not bankable uh we want to make sure that everybody has that same opportunity to get into this business and derive an income,
2: yeah. Uh- Go ahead, yeah, that, I think that's absolutely right. I think Cannabis Control Commission took a, a number of steps in that in that direction, and I think their you know their equity program is being looked at as a model for the, for the rest of the country. But I think to Tom's point, you know, the banking is really critical to, to leveling the playing field, uh, and until that happens, I, you know, I think there's there is a barrier to entry because of the you know the you know the financial needs of of these of you know startup businesses, which is when in large part a lot of these companies are
0: yeah and and it's funny you know <laughs> when that happens uh we're recording on i want to make this very clear that we're recording on uh thursday june 20th if that's right the 20th 20th right because mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow's the first day of summer i kind of remember that through <laughs> my years um by next week this could be dated because the Safe Banking Act, as you mentioned, may be the most simple thing to get accomplished before Congress resumes because I spent a few uh, days in Washington, D.C. during the lobby days back in May. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, you mentioned my sports career. Doing a stand-up with the Capitol over my shoulder was one of the strangest things I've ever had to do in my career. Never thought in a million years I'd be doing something like that, reporting from our nation's capital. But you Capitol. found
1: it, when you went down there, you found it to be an issue that was bipartisan.
0: It, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I thought that and and especially in a time when Washington is a tad partisan these days, would you say is that not accurate? More than a tad,
1: no. <laughs> but on this issue, no. I mean it's it's a, it's it's not no longer a watershed issue. There are inequities in the business that need to be streamlined and need to be dealt with. And that's what Congress should be focusing on. But, but basically, you know, the, the great laboratories of democracy are the states mm-hmm. as opposed to the federal government. Mm-hmm. And they ought to, what they, do, what, what they should do is res, res, resort back to allow the states, you know, to figure out what it is they want in their respective places.
0: I was a history major at Tufts University, and the, the back and forth between the federal government and states has been going on for the hundreds of years yes. that we've been in existence, and we're seeing that again with cannabis right in the middle yes, of it. Mm-hmm, um, one of the uh, interesting things about Massachusetts is they got it done through a ballot question. Um, only one state has done it through the legislature, and that was Illinois recently, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you expect... The ballot box to be the key
2: factor in this is that the more powerful way to enact change. I, I would I would say, and I defer to Tom on this, obviously, but uh, you know, it seems like the for these first ten or so states that have approved it, I think the ballot question was probably the most expedient way to do it. Um, but I think what we'll see in, in states and and we'll you know we, we do a lot of work in Connecticut and in, in the New England region, and I think we're seeing a lot of legislature legislatures looking at this issue and and doing it. Um, you know, uh, through through a standalone bill as opposed to the ballot. I think that you know I think that's uh, honestly the best way to do it. I think it's the best product that comes out as opposed to a ballot question because you do have that opportunity to make tweaks and changes and obviously Massachusetts, the legislature, did after the ballot question passed, the legislature came back and and made some adjustments. Um, and I think that's I think that's the future of it. Now that that you know the dam is kind of broken with these first few states, I think it will continue. I think the legis- the legislatures will have a little bit more uh, incentive to to do it through uh, through the regular legislative I think that's process. Right. And,
1: and the only thing I'd add to that would be, re- rather than the ballot box, I mean people go and elect men and women to the legislatures legislatures around the country. That's their job, to figure out what's best in the interests of the public at large, Mm -hmm. to represent them in their interest. And uh, so I think things are much better off, frankly, through the legislative process than they are at the ballot box, where people, frankly, will go and vote, but should be more informed, perhaps, than they are.
0: This is where I was going with this, is education. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more uh, science and research that is done on this plant, the more they find out about its uses. And it, it... When people tell me, well, we have to make this, you know, legal because we have to do more research. And I said, did you know that there's been 29,000 studies done on the cannabis plant already in this country by the substance abuse group? And, of course, they were looking for reasons to find not to use it. What what, what are the problems? Right. And guess what? Less than 4%. Do you know how many studies have been done on opioids? 880 studies on opioids. Now that that's a big difference. i you know, I wasn't a math major, but twenty nine thousand versus eight—that's a, a big disparity. A yeah. disparity. But
1: around issues like like CBD, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's in every product you can buy. Yeah, um, my kids use it on their on their pets. Um, you know, it's, and the it's, pets love it, by the, the way. The pets apparently <laughs> love it. But more science, frankly, is needed, Jimmy. Right. Uh, on this al- alone, because the state of Massachusetts stepped in. And 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 put some preventions or roadblocks in place on CBD, uh, CBD, mm-hmm. uh you know, to stop it from being used in foods before we understand exactly what the effect of using the drug in in, in, in food is going to is going to be.
2: Yeah, and I th- I think there's going to be a lot more over the next few years from the from the federal government, state and local, to figure out how we're integrating C B D, how we're integrating cannabis generally. Um, into into edibles, into all sorts of different products, and that that there remains to be a lot of work around that issue. Yeah, so CBD, we're watching closely.
0: CBD is uh, is an, a anti inflammatory component, one of the hundreds of molecules that they've discovered, and now they can extract it and and use it. You know, we've got 21st century science for a plant that's mm-hmm. been around for thousands of that's years. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the news item about uh, they found archaeologists in China found. Uh, burnt cannabis From 2500 years ago In a burial ground in China 2500 years ago So
1: it's not a secret Jimmy It's
0: <laughs> 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 It's been around and used for thousands of years yeah. And now they're finally figuring out Geez this is you know it was a, cre- a prohibition was created, and now I think they're trying to figure out ways to get it done. But it's all back to education. Can we educate the legislator? This is what bothers me, is that we've got people who are making the laws and the rules and the regulations who may not be as educated as they could be, given even the limited amount of research that's out there.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going I'm to turn it over to Chris. But, but before I do that, it seems to me that the leadership in our legislature— is pretty well versed on the effects of marijuana, and what they wanted to do by going around to other states where they had already passed that that legislation and where it had been operating to see if they couldn't learn by you know by in better practices what was going on outside of Massachusetts. You might yeah, want to talk about it.
2: Yeah, I would say you know since decriminalization and through the medical use program, there, there's been a a lot of efforts to educate legislators, and I think that's only going to continue. And I think you know as as demographics change in the legislature, I think. Uh, there's there's been a lot more interest in this issue in the last two three years than I think you know the, than we we've, we've ever seen. I think there you know, that it's only going to continue, and I think you only have to look at the polling about the popularity of cannabis and the future economic and uh, economic opportunities and the revenue for the state. I think there's you know it's it's going to. It, it's here to stay. They've commi- They've. The legislature has had the foresight to create a standing committee in the legislature to look at these issues. That's not going to go away. And I, I think that that's only You know, the, the education, the research, and the advocacy is, is only going to continue over the it, next it ten years. It has to really continue. It's a, it's not only a
1: growing industry, it's a, it's a it's a huge growing industry, employing thousands of people. In various aspects of, of what it takes,
0: literally yeah. and figuratively Liter- growing.
1: Literally and literally, <laughs> yeah. And figuratively, but let me let me say something that uh, when an industry becomes this large and this important, then you bet people are paying attention to it in the legislature. They're paying attention to it in the governor's office. They're paying attention to it in mayors' offices around the state, because it means a great deal to them.
0: Let's go to the mayor of Boston, Massachusetts for a moment, Mayor Walsh here. There has yet to be a dispensary open for adult use, recreational use, in the city of Boston. Now, Netta in Brookline, uh, just a few miles outside of the city of Boston, has done very well with it. But what what is the biggest stumbling block with that? I mean, obviously, we've identified uh, the challenges that... Um, uh, People of color have with banks and going out and getting a business loan. We, we we recognize that, but isn't there a way to create some opportunity for these people in the city to? Yeah, I to think get it's it?
1: inevitable, Jimmy, um, and I think it's only a matter of time. The reason the roadblocks have existed, I think, is a very personal one for this mayor to be very honest with you. Yeah, and I was waiting for that. You know, yep. he, had, uh, he had an addiction problem to to alcohol, mm-hmm. and he knows what addiction can do to you. Mm-hmm. He knows what it can do to your family. He knows what it can do, frankly, to you know to 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 have this kind of disastrous effects that he did not want to see take place again. And he has watched other societies kind of get rid of addictive things, right. only to say, hey, what are we voting for this for? A legitimate question, I think, in his mind. That has been the roadblock, but I think he even he now sees that because of regulation, because of the way it's being handled in other cities and in other towns, uh, that it is inevitable here. And in fact, we have a couple of folks, clients here, that are looking at various neighborhoods in the city of Boston right now. Good. Let's yeah, hope so.
2: Yeah. And I think to Thomas, they're, they're coming. They're coming to the city of Boston. And I think, you know, I think one of the mayor's concerns, and I think one of the, the concerns of the BBTA was looking at other cities and how they've done it and trying to define that right balance. So there is not one area of the city that there's a concentration of that one neighborhood doesn't have them, you know, a dis- disproportionate number of, of stores. So I, I think they're trying to find that balance and. Um, you know, it's a hot real estate market, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's a very busy city right now for development.
0: Yeah, and, and of course, I've heard some horror stories about that real estate world. That some of the people that own the properties are taking advantage of those who want to open up cannabis industry events, uh, businesses, and they're, you know, bumping up those rents.
1: Absolutely. Not only is that happening, but people who had borrowed money to get into a cash-all business are paying exorbitant rates in some cases. Yes. I and mean, that's why the banking needs to be opened up to allow everybody in so that you have as much competition out in that field as you possibly can muster because that'll keep things kind of narrowed and prices down.
0: Right. And the mantra in Washington, D.C. during lobby days was it's a public safety issue here. Um, you know, this has to change. It will change. It's just a question of how many amendments are they going to throw on that Safe Banking Act? And that's what I found fascinating about politics, guys. I'm a sports guy. I, I know this sports uh, politics and everything but i was amazed at okay it seems like everybody understands public safety issue let's open up the banks let's take it a vote let's get going on this thing but no we have everybody has little agendas especially in washington dc um i understand democracy i get it i don't understand the process of the lobbyist. Can you walk me through why there's always these attachments going on to these bills that I think are very straightforward?
1: Well, not only has the industry got lobbyists, but the folks who were opposing the industry, they too have lobbyists. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the one has the, the balancing effect to the other. Mm-hmm. And so it slows down the process. Democracy is great, but it's slow. Right. Democracy I- is great,
0: But it's slow. I got it. For safety reasons, I think. Because the opposite is not good. It's deliberative.
2: (laughs) It's a deliberative (laughs) process. right. And and for
0: a reason. So so, so they get it right when they finally bring it out. I I understand that. Um, And by the way, the the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, I hung out in the cafeteria at the Rayburn building. Yes, yeah. It's not like a locker room or a dugout or anything that I've been in before, by the way. Everybody's checking out who's having lunch with who and who's talking to someone. (laughs) I mean, it was... It, it, but I felt for the first time uh, as a citizen of the United States that, oh my God, I really am in the middle of this, watching this unfold uh, in front of my eyes. So You weren't only
1: in the middle of it. You, you were watching it. You were interviewing people. You were getting firsthand reactions to from members of Congress to people who are in the industry watching the balance take place and take form right pretty exciting
0: it is an exciting time and i was mm-hmm. a history major so to me i feel like i am part of history um i always used to say i majored in old news and then ended up in news <laughs> but that's a, another story uh for another day you know you mentioned uh, the m word the marijuana word and you guys are in public relations you know that that word has some racist um history to it um it came from the beginnings uh, in the 1920s and 30s through, through Mexico, and loosely translated, that's an evil weed, and yet we're still using that word for a plant that everyone does accept is the cannabis plant.
1: Yeah, I, I, I understand the racial overtones, and I understand the use of the word. Nomenclature in this industry is being sought out as legislation is, and regulations are being sought out, mm-hmm. and and people will find it. And uh, you keep using the word cannabis; and yep. it will begin to stick.
0: Right. Well, I am, and we're pro cannabis <laughs> media group, so that's why we do it too. Which is another story. <laughs> This podcast is produced by the Pro Cannabis Media Group out of Boston, Massachusetts for the enjoyment and education of our audience. Any medical advice or opinions shared are not a reflection of the Pro Cannabis Media Management or any of the In The Weeds distributors, including CLNS Media and C-Suite Network.